You are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our Life Crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Mike Melito. So we are um, we're going to be talking about uh, outreach today. Uh, we're taking a few weeks. Last week we talked about prayer because we're in 21 days of prayer. We're taking uh, a couple of weeks now to talk about evangelism and outreach. And, and I just want to maybe explain the word evangelism because I didn't grow up in church. So when uh, our pastor or whoever was talking, they were talking about evangelism. That just, it was a, like a churchy word. I didn't know what that meant. But in a nutshell, it means sharing your faith. It's talking, about, it's talking about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody. And the good news of Jesus Christ is the gospel, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he forgives us of our sins, that he makes us new, he restores us, and he makes a place for us in heaven forever. But a step further is it's your testimony about that. How, what your life was like before you knew Jesus, how you met Jesus, and what it's like after knowing Jesus. So it's not enough just to recite some Bible verses. That's good. You need to do that, absolutely. Um, But it needs to be personal. So we're going to talk about that today. And I want to encourage you, and I want to ask you to be in prayer, kind of prayerful while you're listening to this, about who can you do this with if you're not already talking to them? Who can you be praying for? Uh, and, and perhaps today's your day. Maybe someone's been praying for you and you're here because of that. Perhaps today is your day to meet Jesus. So uh, a few years ago, we planned a similar Sunday to talk about outreach. It was in 2020. And we planned that. You know, we planned the, the we plot out the preaching calendar well in advance. And we pray that process. And we believe the Holy Spirit's in that process. And uh, the Sunday that fell on was just after everything shut down. And so it was uh, it, what we did at that time, and you know, we weren't meeting in person, so we, we had the online uh, experience, as we called it, some of you may remember, and we rotated campus pastors so that you know, everyone could see their pastor on somewhat of a regular basis in those uh, services And the week on outreach uh, came to me, and I was like, how do I preach on outreach when you can't even leave your house? Like, how does that even work, right? Um, but it, in some ways, uh, it, it actually was a, it, don't misunderstand me. I, I don't believe shutting down the church was a good thing. However, it did force a point because we were forced to practice our faith in our day-to-day living in our homes and not just by going to church once a week. And that included reaching out to others. And I'll more on that a little bit later. But when we reach out to others, when we share our faith at, at, at Life Church, we call that a kingdom building activity. That's why you hear the, the phrase kingdom builders, because kingdom builders isn't just about missions, it's about building God's kingdom one person at a time here, near, and far. And if you're like me, you're a little uncomfortable with that word kingdom, but uh, we're not talking about an earthly kingdom. I'm uncomfortable with that word kingdom because we haven't seen a perfect kingdom and we haven't seen a perfect king. And we know, we tend to know in humanity, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So when I hear kingdom, I'm going, wait a minute. But we're talking about the perfect king, Jesus and the perfect kingdom. So there's nothing wrong with building that kingdom. Just don't relegate that to missions only. 
You know, we think that it's the job of outreach and evangelism to, you know, for the pastors and the missionaries, but it's not. All of us were given the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and remember I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, I want you to realize something. All of us here, all of us are here because somebody obeyed that. Jesus did the work in your heart, but you wouldn't have been brought to Jesus, and that news wouldn't have been brought to you unless somebody obeyed the Great Commission. So when you hear that and when you see that, it's really kind of like your origin story. I'm a fan of hero movies, and you always get that origin story, how they became the hero. Even the 20-year anniversary video, we heard from the founding pastor, in a lot of ways, that's an origin story for some of the great moves of God that have happened at Life Church at every campus, right? And, and Pastor Tim, he was in the video. Some of you may, may know him, but some of you won't know him, but we knew him from camp uh, for many years. He was, he's a crazy guy. I worked for his dad out in Boston. Uh, but I, just his heart for uh, outreach itself was evident in what he did with the skateboarders. And Eagle Creek isn't much different. We don't have skateboarders, but we do have a basketball court. And we don't have Mountain Dew, but we do typically bring them Gatorade or, or something. <laughs> so, and we don't leave the door open with a fridge and chips, but we do bring it out to them. But it's somewhat of a origin story, just like the Great Commission is an origin story. So I don't want you to check out today and think, oh, pastor's going to preach to me about preaching to others. No, you're here because somebody did that for you, right? And don't, don't just relegate this to missions. See, we, we kind of do that. We think it's, we, we, it's easier for us to think about missionaries as kingdom builders. Why? Because they have hurdles to clear. They have conditions they have to endure. Uh, a missionary isn't bound by cultural boundaries. Uh, in fact, he makes it his goal to break those boundaries, looks for places that have no light, finds out why there is no light, and breaks through that barrier to bring light. Project Rescue, one of my favorite ones to talk about. Finds out why there is no light. Why? Because people are being trafficked. Now we're going to be a light. We're going to fix that. That's a kingdom builder, right? But when we planned to talk about outreach in 2020, we didn't know ahead of time that everything was going to be canceled. <laughs> we didn't know that our buildings were going to be closed. We didn't know that the difficult decisions we would be making. So when it came time to talk about outreach, we had a hurdle to clear, just like missionaries, right? Because it seemed like outreach, as we knew it, was canceled because everything was being canceled. Remember this? How many know, I don't want to go back there. I don't, I don't want to do that again, right? Well, it's crazy to think because outreach, it's kingdom building. How could building God's kingdom ever be canceled? It can't. It can't be canceled. Even now, with everything reopened, we still have hurdles to clear because it seems like we're in the midst of really living in cancel culture. There were other things that happened in 2020 that caused people to draw lines, point fingers, and take sides. And that hasn't stopped. It's only gotten worse. Has anybody noticed this? And uh, one of the things I love about Eagle Creek, Life Church Eagle Creek, is we've seen a lot of those things, those, those divisions affect a lot of churches, even some campuses of Eagle Creek. 
But what I love about you, Eagle Creek, is we're resilient and we will not let that in. Just that's a side note. You look around and we are a diverse campus and I'm sure we have a lot of different ideas, but one thing we agree on is Christ crucified, resurrected, changing our lives, amen? And that's enough for us to agree on. And by the way, the world needs to see that. That in and of itself is a light to the world in a dark place, right? But the reason why much of our outreach was canceled is because much, if not all of it, were were based on events or event-driven. And so when we can't use our property or have events with more than 10 people, it's hard to do that. Or like maybe just if I talk to you about sharing your faith, it'd be hard to do from six feet away. You remember that? Do you remember the, the stickers on the, on the floors in the grocery stores? And just, oh man, it was tough. It's hard to do that. It's hard to have a deep conversation. In some ways, I think that's why the enemy was using that time. Fear was paralyzing people. But it's no different now. Fear still keeps people from sharing their faith. In fact, outreach may have been event-driven, but a good thing we were reminded of then is outreach is something that should happen every time the church, you and me, leave the building. Every time we leave the building. And in 2020, the church literally left the building. So, so we were forced to practice our faith in, uh, in, in all those ways. But how do we do this? Because there's, there's a lot of different uh, ideas on this. And you could take classes on evangelism. You can, uh, you know, there's a one that Kirk Cameron and Ray Comfort do called The Way of the Master. Those are all very helpful. They're very good. Um, they're scripted, and sometimes that helps. But um, I, I think, I'd like to say it, it's, it's got to be more than a script. It's got to be more than something you memorize and just take something through. People can see that. That sounds like a sales pitch. And that's not what we're trying to do. So I want to go to a passage and say, okay, how do we do this, Pastor Mike? Well, I want to go to a passage we don't normally go to to talk about that. It's in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31. And I just read this recently. I might have been at one of our prayer meetings. I'm not sure I remember. Uh, As Donya said, we had a long night. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in all his glory and all the angels with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another just as sheep, a sheep herd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left and then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, or one passage, one version says the overlooked, 
you did this for me. And I, now I know this is not a traditional passage to read when it comes to outreach. In fact, the Great Commission is probably the most popular one. But this tells us something. This is saying, this is what's gonna happen at the end when Jesus is on the throne and he's, and he's really bringing out judgment on everyone for everything they did. So when you look at the end and what he's gonna be doing, it tells us a little bit about what he's looking for us to do. And when, when he's looking for us to do something, well then that ought to be what we're doing and that's probably how we're gonna reach people, right? And just a few observations here aside, the first thing you notice here is when you do things for others in the name of Jesus, he says, he says um, those who are blessed, you will be blessed when you do those things. You will be refreshed when you do those things. He also says, here, I've got something that's been prepared for you from the foundation. When we outreach, when we reach out, not just with a script, but with serving and caring for people, we're practicing for heaven. That's practice for heaven. You, when you do that, you're preparing yourself for heaven and you're bringing heaven on earth. Imagine how much better heaven's gonna be in heaven, <laughs> right? We won't have to worry about all this stuff. And also reaching out, it's a result of something. It's not the means to something. Some of us obsess over trying to do good things so we can earn a way in, or we obsess over all the things we're trying not to do. And it might be helpful to go back over this passage and fill in some blanks or change some wording because here, here's some things he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I needed an audience and you came to church. <laughs> I needed your money and you gave in the offering. I needed some people not to sin and you were perfect. Praise God, he doesn't say that, right? He doesn't say any of those things. It's what you sacrificially did for others is what he looks for. It was, it was Jesus who said, he said, you did this for me. So he's talking to individuals. He's not talking to the church, by the way, like a crowd. He's talking to individuals. Why is it so important to understand this? That reaching out is a result of something, not a means to something. Well, if you get caught up in not, not trying to do the wrong thing, we forget that Jesus is actually looking for us to do the right thing. Not just watching to make sure we don't do the wrong thing. Pastor Donya, my wife, She's been on children's ministry for over 20 years, uh, maybe 30 if you count the children's ministry in her parents' church. And she likes to give kids, and you, your kids may, I mean, I know we do this here, a list of what she calls can-dos. Because a lot of times in school and in other places, we give them all the list of things they cannot do, can't do. She likes to tell them the things they can do. And so instead of what you can't do, she gives them that list. And one of the things you can do in kids' church is you can be caught doing good, right? We always think of being caught like doing bad. And sometimes in our relationship with Jesus, that's all we're trying not to do is be caught doing bad. But what's amazing is when you do something like this with kids, it motivates them like you wouldn't believe to do good things. And you know what they cannot do while they're trying to do good things? 
while they're preoccupied trying to figure out how to do good, they don't do as much bad things because they don't have the time to. See, God is looking for you to do the good things. He's not just watching your life saying, I'm going to keep count of all the times you do the wrong things. He's, he sees you and he knows what you're capable of and he knows you're capable with him of doing the right thing. And what is the right thing? What's more right than telling somebody else about Jesus? There was an atheist. I don't know if it was Penn from Penn and Teller. I don't remember who said this. But one of the reasons why he didn't believe in Jesus is he, he, he said it was Christians. He said, if, if I believed what they say they believe, that without Jesus in my life, I would die and go to hell forever. And that's what we believe. He said, I would crawl across all of England over broken glass to tell somebody I loved before they died about that. And he said, I don't see a lot of Christians doing anything like that. What could be more right than telling somebody who's lost, who's hurting, who's confused, and whose current destiny right now is eternal separation from God, what could be more right than talking to that person about putting their faith in Jesus Christ? Right? The right thing is to be a light for everyone everywhere. And remember this, you're here today because someone did that. I'm here today because someone did that. I got saved in a church in Newburgh, Indiana. And Pastor Troy started that church. He's still pastoring that church to this day. But I, I think about often, I, I, when I, I worked there for a while, uh, we were celebrating actually our 20th anniversary and I had to make a video for it. And I found pictures from when they were building the building and, and everything that was going on. And, and I, I just got, I got emotional because all of this that happened has had an internal impact on me and my family like no other thing. Yes, God did the work, but he did the work through people who laid their lives down, who laid their finances down, who built the church, who preached, who invited people. None of that, none of what you're seeing here today, none of, I wouldn't be here today if someone didn't do that for us. Some of you are here today because that happened here. Some of you are here for, for, from another church. So when you're hearing this today, don't quickly be so quick to write it off because it's all of our jobs to do this and be a light. How can this happen now? Well, I can tell you this. It's already happening in a lot of ways. Right, we have the food pantry, which isn't this Saturday, but next, it's the 26th, and there's lots of people donating food. By the way, we, we need your donations for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, Midwest Food Bank furnishes a lot of the food, and they've just been given less and less and less, and we're having more and more people. So if you wanna know a way to get engaged in outreach, you can give groceries, you can give funds for us to buy groceries, uh, but that's happening, and so many of you are a part of that. We have people that provide care packages uh, for college students even, and, or, or backpacks. We did the backpacks or, and the family fun days or, or the basketball court, but that's not all outreach is, right? In back, back to 2020, 
Friends were reaching out to their estranged loved ones and inviting them to church online like they never did to real church, right? And that could never take the place of in-person church, right? I, I get that. And if you're here today, you know that. But what an amazing th- thing that was is the volume of people, the amount of people who were actually inviting their friends to church at that time and how many people were taking up those invitations. My neighbor at the time had been telling me for years that he'd come to church with me and he never did. How many know a person like that, right? You're like, Pastor, I invite people all the time. They keep telling me they're going to, and then they never do. I get it. My neighbor was that person. But one Sunday during the shutdown, me and my family, we would sit in the living room, and we would participate in the service. And one Sunday, my neighbor and his entire family sat there in my living room and had church, right? And then once that was done... He did start coming to church in person while he still lived here. He's moved away since then. But it was amazing to see how many people understood the importance of that then versus maybe before that. And for some people, that, that MO hasn't changed. People seem to invite people to church more than they used to. Did you know this? A study from a few years ago found that when someone is invited by a friend, about 82% of people said they would go. 82 percent of people said they would. And did you know two-thirds, about two-thirds of people who give their lives to the Lord do so in church? And that number goes higher once you go internationally. You say, Pastor, I thought we were talking about outreach. You inviting someone to church is outreach. That's why I pointed out, because the most effective thing you can do for outreach is actually make personal invitations to church. Remember the hurdles I talked about that we have to clear? You know, the divisions and the the drawing lines that people have. It turns out your relationships with people can clear those hurdles. Church advertisements cannot. In fact, church advertisements sometimes reinforce those boundaries, right? But personal relationships with people that know we care about them can clear those hurdles. And we, by the way, as a church, we want to be a place where you are excited to bring your friends and family. We want to be a place where you and your friends and family experience God. How many can sense the presence of God here this morning? Absolutely. I, I, I just think that's something so special about Life Church. So many people come in these doors and it's their first time. It's like, I don't know, there's something different here. And it's good. I had the same feeling when I went to Abundant Life in Newburgh. This is, I, my literal words were, this is weird, but it's good. <laughs> and it was, you know. My picture of church before what we do here was, you know, Gregorian chants and incense and priests and people, sh- 100 people drinking out of the same cup, you know. <laughs> and now that I think about it, that's weird too, but anyways. <laughs> No offense. If that's your, so, you know, in Catholic you know, church for communion, they all share the same cup. It's, anyways. <laughs> but we want, listen to this. This is going to, listen carefully to this. We want our church to be so, quote, unquote, attractive that people who know us but don't know the Lord will want to know the Lord because they know us. Right? And by the way, you and I are the church. So you could say this. I, I'm saying this. I want my life to be so attractive, quote unquote, 
that people who know me but don't know God want to know God because they know me. You want me to say that again? I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. And by the way, when I say attractive, I, I put it in quotes because there's a lot of things that can make life attractive. But if it draws them to God, then I'm not talking, you know I'm not talking about materialism, right? Getting people to church and leading them to God is not, by the way, the pastor's job. It's not 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, but you are the ones chosen by God chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. And God even says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, we know this one, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, for what? To be my witnesses. Witnesses. First-hand witness of the goodness of God and the forgiveness of God. That's what that means. Witness, you know, witnessing can be a, another churchy word. I remember again when I was first saved and we went on this youth retreat and we were at this retreat center and other people were there and I was just so on fire for God. I was like, hey, let's go witnessing. I just, I, I don't even know what that is, but let's go witnessing to people about Jesus. And some of the uh, other teenagers who grew up in church were like, all right, chill out, dude. Like, all right. <laughs> But, but I, I don't know what it was. And I get it because before we were following Jesus, people used to come try to witness to us. And my dad would always go, yeah, yeah, we don't want any, right? And he'd kind of shoo them away. And so I always thought it was like, so, you know, like cultish, right? But, but once God got a hold of my heart, like I wanted to tell people about it. And you receive power. By the way, Acts 1.8 isn't to receive power so you could feel good about your life. It's not power so you could power through life's problems. It's power to be a witness. If you lack power in your life, here's a question. Are you being a witness? Going back to Matthew 25, when we looked at what the king said, you did these things for me. We think about we gotta do all this stuff for God and know it's, it's, it's out of what God's done for us. And when the Holy, we, we want, you want power in your life? It's not about all the things you don't do or the, all the hours you spend in prayer. Listen, prayer does give you power, but prayer in and of itself, not backed by action, you're gonna be lacking some power. Prayer should move us to do things that will only work if God's in it. And that's the kind of power that Axis is talking about. And it's not, it's not my job to do those things because I'm a pastor. It's my job to do those things because I'm a Christian. Amen. And the same goes for you. One of the things Pastor Josh said in the video, uh, Pastor Josh and, and Donya and I go way back. I got stories, he's got stories. So if you know him, but anyways. He, he actually kind of made a reference to this verse without saying it, but he said, we always have to be ready to give an answer. I thought the way he said it was a little um, uh, intriguing. He said, we have to live uh, objectionable lives so people, when they object, 
we could give an answer for it. I thought, there's a lot of ways to be objectable, but, you know, he's talking about countercultural, living for Jesus. But here's this verse in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That's a good question. When people look at your life, do they see someone who's hopeful? Or do they see someone down and out and cynical? It's easy to get cynical in this world. And, and I want you to understand, I wrestle with that too before I say what I'm about to say, but there's not much worse in this world than a cynical Christian. It does the kingdom of God no service for people to see someone who says they're a Christian and giving into defeat and always seeing the negative. This assumes, this verse assumes that your life exudes hopefulness, right? And you said, what do I got to be hopeful for? How about Jesus, the cross, heaven on earth? How about the things that God's doing? There's nothing more exciting than when you see somebody who was lost come to faith in Jesus and come alive. We had our youth ministry in New England and uh, we had a teen challenge group that would come to our youth ministry. Teen challenge is a uh, recovery program for people uh, that, that have been involved in substance abuse primarily, but there's other issues they tackle. And they, are, uh, they have women's teen challenge and men's teen challenge. And the women's teen challenge there would come to our youth ministry, which at first was really, well, it was always great because those women who had been delivered so much, they brought so much life into the youth ministry when some of our kids who grew up in church that still weren't getting it were kind of not all that full of life. But we had a young lady that came, and I remember the first night she came, you could just see the oppression on her. She just, you could feel it. She wouldn't look at you. She just was disheveled. There were some insane scars that I later learned came from a hacksaw that she put there herself. And she, she came and we had started praying for her that night, but then for the next couple weeks. And a few weeks later, I think it was about a month later, she came in and I literally went to introduce myself because I didn't, I thought she was a new person. And it turns out she was a new person. She had life in her face. She was completely different. It was amazing. And can I just tell you, there's no better experience in the world than to see that kind of transformation happen. That's a reason to hope. We had uh, years and years ago, a young man in this neighborhood who vandalized the church van. Some of you know this story. And it later came to light that he did that and he ended up actually coming to the Lord here and he's now a missionary that we support in the mission field. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> if you talk to the people who led the youth ministry at Abundant Life when I first came, <laughs> they would never believe you if you told them he's gonna be a pastor someday. I gave them such a hard time. It, it, I harassed them. So when I came back to be the youth pastor there and they were my volunteer youth leaders, it was, it was a, God does these things. 
and you could be a part of them if you step out and start to reach out and share your faith. And it's as simple as this. What was my life before Christ? What was my need for him? Why do, have I committed my life to Christ? And what difference has it made? And really, the easiest, most effective way is to invite a person to church. Luke 14, 23, go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so that my house be full. And it's something that flows out of you naturally when you are connected to Christ. John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, he it is that bears much fruit. What's fruit? Other people believing in him. When you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And Jesus wants you to be a part of that. He first and foremost wants you. Right? And some of you here, that's where you are today. You're not in relationship with Jesus, and he, he wants that with you. But it's so important that this is something that flows out of your relationship with Christ and not something you do out of compulsion or with a script or whatever else. Because God, I, I think I said this in prayer last week, God could still use you even though you're not in relationship with him. I want to read it again. I read it last week, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare them to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's why this verse in 15, John 15, abide in me, is the centerpiece of outrage. When you abide in Christ, he'll continue to do good things in your life that you can't help to talk about. He'll give you success in your endeavors to reach out and invite people into that relationship. What you're doing will flow naturally out of a relationship you have with him. It will be real, and people need something real. So I have this question for you, and, and there's a reason why we're doing this. We're, obviously, we want to see people inviting people to church, okay? I want to tell you here in a couple weeks, on, uh, I think it's August 27th, is when we jump back into 2 Samuel and we're going into one of the most intriguing stories of the Old Testament, maybe the whole Bible, David and Bathsheba. Some of you may know that story, but it'll be a great week to get someone here because there's a lot of good stuff there. And we want you to do that. But not just for the church attendance, not just so that we can say, oh, look at our numbers. One of the things I love about what Pastor Tina said at Life Church, we're more concerned about having a community than building some big numbers, okay? But we still want people, lost people to be saved. And we don't want it just for us. I want this for you. Some of you have been what you might call in a dry season spiritually for a long time. And the only thing that's gonna snap you out of that is to start 
doing this. Disciples make disciples. And we do this first from abiding. Are you abiding in him? Or are you striving? Or are you feeling overwhelmed by even the call to do this? You look around in the world and be like, how do we tackle this darkness one person at a time? And out of a relationship with Jesus? Are you looking for the things you could do so people know him? Are you constantly worried about trying to not do the things you shouldn't be doing? So much so that actually doing things for God seems impossible. He's inviting you to abide in him. And let me remind you, he says in Matthew chapter 11, his burden is easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. When these things flow out of relationship with him, it's not going to crush you. You might be crushed if you don't do this. He wants to catch you doing good things. He wants to make your life here on earth fruitful and productive. He wants to work with you on bringing light to your world. And he wants to be the light of your life. Let's pray. Jesus, none of us would be here if it was not for the fact that you got in someone else's heart who caught hold of this and out of their relationship with you reached out to us. Thank you for that. Now it's our turn. God, I'm asking you today, just as you did in the book of Acts, Jesus, you said, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. Make us on fire for you. You said no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. You say, they put the lamp on a hill so it provides light to everyone. God, we want to be on fire for you so it provides light to a dark world. I pray today for everyone that you would baptize them anew in the Holy Spirit and set them ablaze for you so that others would know you, so that others would even ask, what is this in your life that you're so hopeful so that when they invite people to you, to church, that they would see things happen. God, help us to embrace that. You were encouraged by today's talk. Be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.